You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, this is Peter David, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Have a great day. All right, here we go, everybody. We are back again for another episode of the Epic Marvel Crossover Specials. Specials, specials, <laughs> specials, specials. Yep. And, uh, oh, sitting here on the Epic Marvel podcast feed, um, thanks, Curtis, for having us back for another episode. Absolutely. You're a doll and a genuine pleasure of a human being. <laughs> <laughs> well, so today, last episode, we talked about um, the roughness that was Batman Punisher Lake of Fire. Oh, man. Today, we're going to go, we're, we're not, it's not going to be as bad. We're, we're, no, it we're isn't. In a, we're in a better situation. Today. Oh man, I'm actually somewhat happy to talk about this book. I need to see. I, I called up my old therapist, and uh, well, he's book solid for the year. But anyway, <laughs> I, I tried to call my therapist anyway. So, uh, uh, but no, this book has some some genuine goodness to yeah. it. So today we're talking about Spider Man Gen Thirteen. Yes. Um, which is just the title of the book. It's just called Spider Man Gen Thirteen. Keep so, it simple. Yep. No, no little, lake of fighter, no fire. No subtitles, no nothing, just Spider-Man, Gen No 13. wolf blood of the moon beam yep. <laughs> isms. Right, oh. right. Um, so let's talk a little bit here. Um, this is Spider-Man. This is Gen 13. These are, these are one, I mean, Spider-Man, of course, is Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Right? We, we know Spider-Man. D- you know, with great power. Yep. Okay. Yep. Oh, That's we, we, it. Yep. I don't even need to finish the no, sentence. No. I mean, we all know Spider-Man, right? right? There's not a whole lot of introduction we need to do there. Of course, he was created in the early 60s by Stan Lee and Steve, Steve Ditko. Um, and it has existed as kind of not always the biggest Marvel superhero, but always one of the, the top. Well, right? I mean, the, the masthead of the company, yeah, really. Right. I mean, you know, it, it's... You know, while I meant biggest in terms of sales, he right, wasn't always right. no, the top fair, seller, but fair. but biggest in the term of yeah, he's he's kind of he's Marvel comic, yeah. Right? You know, he is a a generational legacy handed mm-hmm. down from father to son, mother to daughter, them to them. I mean, it's 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 truly. I mean, just spider. He's so, Spider Man. I mean, what else you know, can you say? I mean, I mean, I'm just going to say this right now. Like, Spider Man was the character that. I mean, he wasn't the character that got me into reading comics, but it was the character I latched to when I got into comics. And I mean, I studied the backstory. Yeah. you know, back in the day, yep. I, I still to this day, and I, I'm, you know, I have to admit this. As a grown man, okay, I still get emotional when whenever I see Gwen Stacy die. Oh, like I still, I still, it still hurts me. You know, it's you funny because I came in to comics right after that and I was like I didn't know why Peter Parker was so mopey so I didn't read him in books other than like Marvel team up or right. when he would occasionally show up in Avengers or FF um, it was uh, much later that I depre- uh, that I developed an appreciation for him when I was able to read the Gwen Stacy mm-hmm. stories I was like holy moly they went there yep Yep. No, it was, I mean, it's, it's one of the, I still think it's one of the ballsiest choice, choices in comics Absolutely. ever. And it, and it hurts me, but I love it. Right? Yeah, no, it's, 
you know, there, there are some things that, you, you know, that you can't change. Nope. Now, look, Ed Brubaker, he was able to bring Bucky back from the dead. I was as skeptical as everybody else, but I totally bought the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I didn't buy it when, uh, when, uh, um, so much as, you know, like in Dallas when Bobby Ewing came back and, you know, it was <laughs> all just that's a reference for the, the kids. The previous year was <laughs> just a dream. I'm old. <laughs> um, but no, you know, there, there are other characters. I just blanked on other char- examples of, oh, okay, Kitty Pride was dead for yep. a while. Colossus was dead Professor for X a while. Professor X been Professor, dead a few times. Professor X faked his death. He was really right. dead. He was not quite dead. He was only partially alive. Nope. You know, there's... there's there aren't very many... The point is, there aren't very many deaths in comics that still mean that something. That stick. And, you know, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna even touch base on a lot of those stories. All I'm gonna say is, is that Ed Brubaker showed us that a character that you would consider radioactive to bring back from the dead could be done. Mm-hmm. It can't be done with Gwen Stacy. That being said, they've leaned into the Spider Verse. Sure. And with the Ghost Spider slash Spider Gwen. Gwen, right? Yeah. Yep. Great title, great no, character. I'm, and I'm on board. Lo- I, yep. They did it in a way where it feels like. They, they were able to use the character, right. quote-unquote, without, without ruining the yep. previous character. Yeah, not I, I'm, I'm nor invalidate any of the stories. Yep. It still took place, still affected Peter Parker. Um, um, and yeah, you know, I love Spider-Man. Right. You know? And I mean, so, yes. that's going to lead us in. Let's talk a little bit of our, our, the other half of our book here, Gen 13. Gen 13. Okay, so let me just... Uh, Gen 13 is... Uh, Kind of a young X Men right. type group. Well, and, and you, it's funny you should mention that because they were originally billed as Gen X. Right, they were. When my generation, because I'm a Gen Xer, uh, when my generation was named, they they named the book Gen X, and then mm-hmm. Marvel sued them because they were putting out a book called Generation X mm-hmm. at the time, and it, it it stuck in the court, so they had to change changed the book and they they titled it the Thirteenth Generation of Americans, basically mm-hmm. Gen Thirteen, right. So, still truth in advertising. Still work. Unique title. And, it's, and, and I think I said this uh, on episode two uh, some months back, where I was always drawn to teen teen books. So, yep. I have a, a, a fondness for the exuberance of youth meets superpowers. So, I mm-hmm. love the new Teen Titans. I love uh, the X-Men books, especially, you know, the younger X-Men as they, they discover more and more mutants right. and add right. to the team. Uh, Kitty Pride is still one of my all-time favorite um, X-Men because I, I, cl- I was collecting X-Men at the time of her first yep. appearance. Well, I mean, to, for me, it's like, I mean, I get it. You know, I like the team super, super team, right? Um, I grew up, like... The book to me, outside of the what I always say is like the best run outside of the initial Silver Age Marvel Universe runs, is the New Mutants run of the eighties. Oh, I, Lord, I love yes. It. I mean, yes, there's bad issues, especially towards the end. Um, but, but if you look at those first couple of your years, yeah. first, I mean, we're all written by Chris Claremont. Yep. Then you had, um, I, I want to say it was Bob McCloud who did the book, uh, who's the artist on the book with Bill. I think Bill Wyacek, uh inked it. In the early, uh, in the early one, in the early yeah. run, okay, and then Bill Sinkevich yeah. coming over, like he had recently ended his Moon Knight run, had done the Electrographic and, novel. I mean, it was really where um, 
It was. It was. I feel like the the New Mutants run with with Sinkevich is really where Sinkevich became Sinkevich. He really did. You know? Like he was starting towards the end of his Moon Knight run. He was getting more and more experimental, especially yep. with his cover work. But holy moly, when they they came out with Bill's first issue, mm-hmm. it was like. I I I wasn't ready. Like at first, the first issue I hated it. Right. But then the second issue, I started to love it, and and now it's like it's it's to me that 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 Sinkevich run on New Mutants is like quintessential New Mutants. Right? Quick it's, quick it's, plug for something I'm not even tangentially uh, connected to. Um, they keep the Demon Bear saga yep. is pretty much an evergreen uh, trade paperback. Mm-hmm. It's either a thin trade paperback for, because I think it's only like four or five issues long. They just released a Marvel Epic collection, and, in fact, uh, well, on the Demon Bear saga. Then, yep. then the Epic collection, which will get you a whole grouping of issues that you should not miss, uh, would be something I definitely recommend because the Demon Bear saga is right up there with mm-hmm. some of the best comp of yep. stories ever told period yep. and i mean it, i mean he gave us Sinkevich gave us so many iconic characters from legion he created right, right. warlock he created uh, yeah right? the demon bear by itself like i mean cypher the- doug ramsey took right. that character which i believe was introduced beforehand but really gave him a depth and a look to him especially when he was bonding in and out with Warlock. Right. And as much as I love New Mutants, we're not talking about New Mutants. No, today. no. <laughs> no, we're not. We're talking track. about Gen 13. We're talking about Gen 13. Which, which is a Wildstorm creation. Um, it's yep. where Jake Scott Campbell got yep. his start. So this was, they, they are co-created. The, the credits involve, uh, include Jim Lee, Brandon yep. Chow, and J. Scott Campbell yep. as the co-creators Jim Lee did 13. the original character designs that, mm-hmm. that uh, Campbell uh, did the artwork from. Right. And if Jim Lee, of course, came from the X-Men background. Oh, yes. Right? And then Wildcats. And, and, and then into Gen 13. Exactly. And and these characters fit in that that mold of being Wildstorm characters on one side, mm-hmm. but they were able to turn the formula on its ear a little bit because the Wildstorm universe are sort of like, you know, super spies and international intrigue meets superhumans. Mm-hmm. And this is just a group of of superpowered teenagers who were experimented on by a group called International Operations yep. or IO. Um, they they escaped from that facility with the help of its former director, John Lynch, who makes a few appearances mm-hmm. in this comic. He's kind of like their mentor. Their mentor. Right. You know, he was a tough guy, former James Bond, who got older and and became a mentor to them and trains them uh, to work together as a unit. Um, the team, if I and and Okay, so so just forgive me because, again, I'm working strictly from memory here. Uh, led by Caitlin Fairchild, mm-hmm. who is just known as Fairchild mostly. Yep. She was a scrawny, scrawny nerdy little girl uh, who, uh, through Io's experimentation, uh, turned into a superhumanly strong and, and nigh-indestructible powerhouse. right. right. Uh, you had the character uh, Freefall, yep. who is sort of like a, I don't want to call her a punk goth girl, but she's sort of like an outsider who wears Doc Martens and leather jackets, and she has the po- the ability to generate uh, both negative and positive gravity fields. Right, she can manipulate Manipulate gravity, gravity. yes. I'm trying to sound like an yep. educated person. <laughs> uh, graviton flow and all that, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, there is Sarah Rainmaker, who, yep. like uh, Fairchild, goes by her last name of Rainmaker. Uh, she's a First Nations character who can control the weather and shoot mm-hmm. lightning from her hands and fly. Yep. There's Burnout, 
who is a burnout. (laughs) (laughs) uh, There were a lot of burnouts in the 90s, trust me. I I was on the verge of being one myself. Uh, But yeah, he was just kind of a emo, depressed kid who found out he could flame on and fly and be be Wildstorm Human Torch, basically. Um, Let's see. And then, oh, how could I forget? You're missing. Uh, this This is a character. Now, this last character is... Uh, is arguably both the best and the worst character of the bunch. Okay. <laughs> okay. He is a guy. I remember his last name is Chang. And mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember what his first name was, but he is Percival uh, Edmund Chang. Wow. Yep. That's a name. But his, and he's of mixed ancestry, I believe, uh, Caucasian and Asian descent. And, uh, uh, he has the power. Before I get there, mm-hmm. he's like a teenage absorbing man. Yep. So he can actually touch a material and mimic its properties down to the molecular level. Mm-hmm. Although how he is still alive at that point is because that, comics. Comic. Now, yeah. you would think his, his name would be like, I don't know, Absorbing Lad or Moleculad yeah, or yeah. Matter Lad. No, his name is Grunge. For some reason. For some reason, because he's got a skull and wings tattoo on his mm-hmm, chest, mm-hmm. and he's really into loud grunge music, yep. So, which I have to be honest, I was too. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, we, we all were. We all were back in the day. I'm sorry. But you, but you have to admit, it didn't really have anything to do with his character. If there were scratch and sniffs books, he would smell like teen spirit. Yep. That's That's, you know... That's the extent. And so he was like the sort of not take things seriously rocker dude. Um, I liked the character quite a bit. Uh, I liked all the Gen 13ers. I, I collected the original miniseries, thought J. Scott Campbell, Campbell was a genius. Right. And I mean, this is really you know, this is the, the series that made J. Scott Campbell. Yeah, it really is. Right. This is what launched him and, and gave him a career, really. Yep. And I mean, uh, so to give you a little bit of my background sure. with Gen 13, like, I didn't read them really. I collected them because we we all in that time collected Image Comics. It didn't multiple really issues were, right? of Image Comics. Yeah, I mean, and and I mean, I've read some Gen Thirteen, but at the time, I don't remember if I actually read them at the time. Fair enough. Um, and I I remember. I mean, I was a I was a high school and junior high kid. I liked the hot girls, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. I was into the J. Scott Williams hot girls comic right he, he did draw lovely ladies right. i will so, say that i mean that was that was the appeal to me as a kid and um there, I mean, there was a lot of firsts in this comic as well i mean it owed a lot to the x-men mm-hmm. um you know and the fact that uh you know it was they had a biracial uh member of the group they right. had a first nations or native american if you yep. if you're older um, uh, member of the group who also happened to be one of the very first openly bisexual characters yep. uh, in comics lit. So, you know, Rainmaker was really a trailblazer. Mm-hmm. Well, as Wildstorm well. in general were kind of yeah. a trailblazer in that. Yeah, they were. I mean, I mean, very they, progressive company. Yes, you already had, you already had um, uh, the Alpha Flight. Gay oh, issue, you had right? the North Star. North Star, right? The North Star reveal, where you know he is just screaming at Major Maple mm-hmm. Leaf, real character, Major Maple Leaf. Yep. You know how he was dressed? He was a Mountie. That's mm-hmm. how I knew his. <laughs> and he was a he was a compatriot of Captain America's during World War II. Hey, now they they none of them beat Captain Canuck. All right. no, hey, oh. Captain Canuck is <laughs> still going strong, yep. actually, and and that's another podcast on a different network. <laughs> what I am going to say is there was just this point where North Star. I think it was just a couple of years before Gen thirteen. 
It was like 92, yeah. 93. Yeah, it was the early 90s. It was in the last few issues of the original Alpha Flight run where he just screams at Major Leaf, I am gay! Right. And it's like, wow, what a statement to make, Marvel, by making North Star <laughs> a gay character, yep. which they've only alluded to since 1981 and didn't need to be declarative as yep. gay. Yep. Um, it, it was just... <laughs> God, that was a bad comic book at the end. <laughs> um, but, you know, so so there were already a couple of firsts being done, but I remember it her her coming out was just matter of fact with mm-hmm. her with her peer group. And it was like, huh. Well, and, and okay. I mean, Wildstorm you know? also I don't know if it was before or after, but they also had Midnighter and Apollo, right? It was at okay, so I th- the authority came afterwards. Okay, okay. Okay, so but yeah, I mean but it was one of those things where they hint at mm-hmm. it at first mm-hmm. um, because they originally appeared in Stormwatch when Warren Ellis That's was right. writing that book. That's right. And then they full on were gay. What I'll allow you to interpret full on, but but they Openly. just they were very open about their affection yep. for one another in the first arc of the authority. Yep. But but you know, I really look at, at Rainmaker as one of the true trailblazing characters where it's like, yeah, you could be this other and mm-hmm. not be otherized mm-hmm. for it. And it's just, it was normal in her friends group. Like right. they were taken aback no, it, for about yeah, three it seconds. It wasn't a big It wasn't thing. a big deal. Right, yeah. And they address it in this book, and it wasn't a big deal, you know? Mm-hmm. And and they talk about it. But, I, you know, I just, I think that Gen 13 just sc- scratched a particular itch of mine. I, I love that first miniseries. I didn't really follow it after Campbell left the book. Mm-hmm. Campbell left the book... Um, about 20 or so issues into yeah. the second volume. Like, the first issue was just like... A, the first series was like three or four issues. It was, it was like a four-issue Yeah, mini. it was a short mini-series. Yeah. And then the, the permanent series Oh, the popularity on. was yep. huge because it so, was the yep. rare Wildstorm book. And yeah, I think Campbell went about the first 20 issues or so. I, I want to say that's about right. And uh, he went off to do bigger and better. Yep. And... Uh, you know, that's I, and I think I even fell off before then. Now that I come to think of it, but I, I still remember the 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 characters fondly. Mm-hmm. So there right. you go. That's my that's my background in brief. So, um, why are we? Why did we get a Spider Man Gen thirteen crossover? So, nineteen ninety six is a weird era in comics. So, in the last, it episode, was just a weird era for a lot of it's things true. back then. So, in the last episode, we talked a little bit about how. Um, Marvel and DC had to start playing nice to battle up against Image. Um, they were tr- they wanted to push Image back down. Yep. They quickly learned that they weren't going away. They um, well, and especially playing their game. Right. I, I think that was the if you can take a lesson learned, and you know we've had some time to think about it since that that episode, is that yes, we beat up on that comic book quite mm-hmm. a bit. Again, if you love the comic, God bless. I think that's awesome. Um, but they weren't going to create create good DC comics by aping Image Comics. Right. Is that fair? Yeah. No, I think that's totally fair. Um, and so what they, they actually started, Marvel and DC started kind of making friends again with the guys over at Image, you know, the, yep. the Jim Lees and the Rob Liefelds in particular. Um, and... This starts an era, this book, maybe not this book particular, but 96 starts an era of 
really a heavy crossover era. There's yep. a lot of books that came out during this era. Um, part of it was just experimenting and seeing what they could do and kind of playing nice together. Part of it was um, working on kind of test environments with the people over at Liefeld's Maximum Press right. and Wildstorm with Jim Lee yep. um, because they were starting to... Uh, there was Marvel did a thing called Heroes Reborn. Yeah. And if you weren't around for the Heroes Reborn era, which didn't last very long, no. um, it was kind of... It was a bill of goods that was like... We're gonna make. We're gonna take your old superheroes. We're gonna revamp them in an image style, yep. and we're gonna make them cool again. Right, and literally an image style. Right, literally, like literally, they had Maximum Press and they had Rob Liefeld doing Captain America. Right? Yeah, literally, they had Jim Lee taking over X Men again for a while. Editorially, right? I think no, it was uh, Iron Man. Okay, right, right, right. Okay, and they had uh, Will Spurtasio do the artwork on that, so mm-hmm. it was cool. Mm-hmm. I I love you know I'll well, be honest I wasn't a big Iron Man fan at the time, and I dug the redesign of Iron Man. Right. I, I that was the book I was buying of the two because well like, and I mean Partafio is always great right yeah. like I mean there's a reason that the that image did well with those creators absolutely right? um some of the you know the art's always going to look there's whether a, you like it or not it's going to look like the way it's going to look and, and there's a certain I want to say. And 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 again, I'm going to tip my hat a little bit, mm-hmm. but they they really paid attention to elements of design. How does it work inside the universe? What what kind of story are we prepared to tell with the character who is doesn't is doesn't just look like that, but is dressed in this fashion? Mm-hmm. They were looking at the utility of the costumes that that they were drawn in. You know, so there was a lot of thought going. Whereas. You know, with Liefeld, it was just explodo action all the time. Right. Ah, extreme. You know, there was a little bit. I, I would like to think a lot more, or uh, a lot more forethought put into the design of these characters and how they would work in their overall uh, universe. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's kind of how we ended up with a number of kind of. There's a lot of weird crossovers that come out of '96. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, so we end up with Gen 13 and Spider Man. You have, of course, Spider Man the the perennial young man. Yes. Right? I mean, like, you know, kids love Spider-Man, right? That's right. And then you have Gen 13, teenage superhero. So seems like it could mo- it could work. You right. got teenagers, you got kind of a, a kid thing going on. So that's kind of how we ended up with this. And, so. and honestly, they in that book, they, they, you know, the Gen 13 kids, just getting ahead of it a little bit, you know, are preceded by years in this, whatever this combined universe is called, mm-hmm. um, is preceded by several years by Spider-Man. Yep. So Spider-Man's been around for a long time, and they they haven't, by the way, they're, they're arcing this story. Right. And so here's the thing, too. So let's just kind of... 1996 for Spider-Man in particular is a very oh boy. interesting and um, confusing and uh, divisive era of Spider-Man it's comics. A, it's a tough year. Yeah, it's, good art, but a tough year. It's coming to the towards the end of the Clone Saga. Mark Bagley did a lot of the art during that time. <laughs> I that uh, uh, da- I think a lot of the writing was David Michelney. Yeah, and I, oh god, um, it, it was just. You know what? It was Marvel doing a very Marvel thing. Mm-hmm. They created an event book that was was really, um, you know, ha- look. You can't you can't deny the sales. No, the Clone Saga, and there's a lot of people. 
who are in my general age range, maybe a little bit younger, who have very fond memories right. of the Clone Saga. I am not one of those people, yep. but you know, there's a lot of people who are really I into mean, Spider-Man. At I that mean, time. To, just to let you know, as a kid, I, I mean, I already talked about. It. I read Spider-Man as a yeah. kid. The Clone Saga is what made me stop reading <laughs> Spider-Man as a kid. I'm um, sorry. That was the moment where I was like. Screw this book. This is stupid. What the hell, um, Ben Riley? But, but actually, but I mean, it's it's generally a case study. Like the Clone Saga is held up as a case study in kind of uh, editorial mismanagement. In that it was slated to be a six month event that lasted over two years. Yeah, look at all the sales we're getting from this. And uh, oh, and the, they kept writing themselves into holes and then trying to dig themselves out. And it just it did. When you write work, yourself into right? a hole, you know what you do? You create the Holland Tunnel. Out yep. Of it. Yep. So, um, so this is kind of near the end of the Clone Saga era Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, so it's I, part of me wants to say maybe they're trying to get him relatable to kids again. Yeah. You know, and yep. that might have been where I, this this came from. I'm not really sure, but that that would make sense to me. I would say that's the way Peter David, who is the writer of this book, and right. we'll, we'll get into the creative team here, um, but I think that's the way Peter David was yep. writing it. Yep, and so let's do that. So you mentioned Peter David. Peter David is the writer on this book. Peter David has written a lot of Spider-Man. He's written a lot of comics. Um, he is one of the seminals. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, and most notably, at least for me, I mean, my run, my Peter David run is Spider-Man 2099. Oh, that's that's my Peter that's David, a right? really good book with yeah. me, though. It's his extensive run on the Incredible Hulk. It's Hulk, right. With yeah. multiple... I mean, he worked with the likes of Todd McFarlane, mm-hmm. Dave Keown, Gary mm-hmm. Frank. I, I still remember the time when uh, Rick Jones was holding his wife, Marla, who was comatose, took her out of the hospital assured that she wasn't brain dead and like the whole media and the army and everything came out came out after the hulk or came out after rick jones because the hulk was in his corner Mm -hmm. the hulk was there so who did they send to to talk rick down and and to let him let his wife marla go back to the hospital was captain america Mm -hmm. and all i'm going to say about that comic because we're not in the epic marvel uh, podcast we are the crossover show is that Captain America judo flipped the Hulk <laughs> out of the house where the Hulk had this look on his face like Captain America just judo flipped me. Yep. And that was Peter David and uh, Gary Frank doing that book at the time. And, you know, so, uh, but I'll be honest, Spider-Man 2099, mm-hmm. not only is it a timely take because of his wonderful cameo at the end of uh, Into the Spider-Verse, spoilers, right? Um, that was just probably the best of the 2099 books that came oh, out. Oh, it was. I mean, I mean, there was the, the 2099 books that was Spider-Man and Doom were really the two most readable. Oh, I um, love Doom with yeah. Pat Broderick on yeah, the yeah. artwork oh, on it. Great. Oh, it um, was just, oh, it was, un- a, oh. Unlike, unlike the X-Men 2099 book or the Ravage 2099, 2099 book. Yeah, or those, Ghost Rider 2099. Ghost Rider kind of was in well, the middle. Ghost I, Rider I because it was a middle one. It, I like that because that was the most cyberpunky, and I was really into cyberpunk mm-hmm. SF lit at the time. Uh, so I dug that. I dug the idea of Transverse City. But um, yeah, Ghost Rider was in the middle. Yep. Punisher and Ravage, though. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. And, and really that X-Men book. It was oh, yeah. I, I try not to remember. Yeah. I remember getting a few of the Toy Biz action figures because mm-hmm. I was a heavy collector mm-hmm. back then. They, I No, I'm sorry I ever bought those. Um, All right. So, so Peter David wrote, uh, wrote the book, and then uh, Stuart Amonin, or Eminen, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Yeah, Eminen? Eminen? I'm not sure. Eminen? Yeah, anyway. Um, 
one of the all-time great artists. He went from this, uh, I think he uh, then went on to Legion of Superheroes over at DC soon afterwards. I was a big fan of Stuart Eminem. Yeah, he and, went. Uh, he did Ultimate X-Men. He yep. did New Avengers. He did Ultimate Spider-Man at some point. Yeah, so. and then later on, you know, he did runs on Avengers, New Avengers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done just tremendous work over the years, has dabbled in writing and doing creator Oh, stuff. man, he has credits including Rock and Roll Comics. Uh-huh. He did, uh, he did uh, The Prince Rock and Roll Comics. That's right. He did the Two Live Crew Rock and Roll Comics. Wow, I would love to see that. <laughs> uh, ZZ Top, Anthrax, and Public Enemy. Dude. Dude, this guy, <laughs> this guy's a rock star himself. Yep. Um, inks were by Cam Smith with Andrew Pepoy. Um, they were both pretty pretty prolific during the 90s, both of them as inkers. Yep. Um, Joe Rojas, uh, the colors, if I'm pronouncing it, is Rosas. Rosas, I think. Joe Rojas. Joe Rojas. Yeah. Uh, colors, another uh, veteran colorist. Uh, oh, Richard Starkings with Comic Craft. Right, Hello. right. Yeah, I mean, Comic Craft at this point, mid '90s was kind of at the the height of working for Marvel. At exactly. That point in time. Yeah, and and Richard was was going out of his way to prove that a lettering studio, a digital lettering studio, could actually work. Absolutely. Right? And I mean, he did. And I mean, it, Comic Craft, and, and he made it work because right. they did work for almost everybody. Well, and, at one and point. Richard Starkings, the guy that came from a. Um, a background in graphic design. Yes. So he took like lettering with a graphic design approach, which exactly. was really great. And and it shows if you, if you look just hey look at Batman Punisher Lake of Fire. Mm-hmm. If you compare those two comics, I mean, it is night and day. Right. Um, all right. So this was published late 1996. This is November 1996. Oh, also editor edited uh, by Tom Brevoort, yeah. who's now the EVP for publishing at on the Marvel side. I believe. Yep. I mean, he's he's a guy that's been around and in comics for a long time, forever. Yep. Um, it looks like what is let's see. He holds the title cur- uh, senior vice president of publishing, SVP. Yep. Yep. So he's still around. Yep. Yep, he's still kicking. So, and um, you know, Marvel's doing really well now. So, you know, he's yep. part of the reason why. Yep. Um, yeah. No, he's holding. He's holding it up over there. Right. Um, all right. So, um, there. Now, you wrote down here on our, our show notes, and I wasn't even... A, I, this goes to my memory, kids. Mm-hmm. Don't get old. You know, just make, <laughs> just be young forever. Be immortal. Um, Spider-Man didn't have a Spidey sense at this time. Yeah, so he makes a point of mentioning it a few times throughout the book. Okay. Um, I don't remember the clone saga well enough to explain why. But, but um, he didn't have a Spidey sense. Yeah, why he lost his Spidey sense at yeah. that point in time. Um, it I, might made of certain choices more... Under uh, right, better better for us to understand. Yep. Um, but no Spidey sense. But other than that, he could still stick, shoot webs. Yep. Was fast and strong. No, nope, but that. he was wearing a a web backpack. Yes. Which I I, I for that, some reason didn't remember that either. Oh, he used the web backpack yeah. going all the way back to I think at least John Romita Senior. Okay. He kept right. his civilian clothes in that. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember not. I remember him having a web backpack. Okay. I don't remember him wearing it as Spider. Like just. King around fighting crime wearing it. But this was the 90s. Everybody was wearing sure. backpacks sure. back then. So yep. that's the only way yep. that I can explain it. 
Yeah, they they were like they were like nineties nineties grunge kids. I understand so, a backpack. Yeah, That's like cool. I, I'm I'm sl- you know shocked that he wasn't wearing a a, a knit toque the whole time, <laughs> or like a flannel flannel yeah, tied around his a waist. Flannel, yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. All right. So let's let's kind of break into the book a little bit. Um, okay. This is a. Uh, around the same length as uh, our last episode, it was about a fifty-page story, forty-nine-page yep. story. Um, the book that, the book cost four dollars ninety-five cents mm-hmm. in nineteen ninety-six. Yep. So, hoorah! That yep. was a lot of money to spend. But you know what? I think you get more of your money's worth. Yeah, you're doing all right in this one. Yeah. So, um, let's kind of jump into it here. So, yep. the the book literally opens up with Spider-Man getting beat up. Yeah, and um, by a and, villain that we haven't seen before. Yep, a villain that we don't know, um, and also interspaced with uh, images of a band playing. And it turns out we're at a concert. We're at a grunge show. Right? Yeah. So the, the band is Black Lung Disease. Black Lung Disease. I could see them opening for Soundgarden. Yep. I, yeah. I, I, I think yeah. it works. Yeah. I think it works. Alice in Chains, you know, with Black Lung Disease. That's right. I think it oh, works. Oh, I think that's an even better pairing. <laughs> BLD um, before AIC? Yeah. Anyway. Well, so what I like is, so so the, the, the shtick here is that the Gen 13 kids are out watching their favorite band, Black Lung Disease. Well, it's only Grunge's favorite uh, band. Fair, fair. Uh, Free Fall's sort of into it. Burnout didn't want to go, so he's not present. And then Rainmaker and Fairchild were there because, well, Grunge mm-hmm. wanted to go. So they're there, and and they're, I love how um, right away she says, like, I can't believe you got a seat this hot. They're, there's no seats. They're all standing. Yeah. So I don't. He didn't get him seats. He got him like general admission tickets, and, and that's cool. You know, yeah, exactly. You know, right up front. And I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, Fairchild is more into it than Rainmaker, who's just yep. making a face right. in, <laughs> in the crowd. And I really like what Amono does with this double play, double page uh, splash, mm-hmm. uh, where they have the the credits on it. And there's a guy who's literally diving into the crowd like Eddie Vedder at yep. this moment. Uh, I think that is Eddie Vedder, actually, come to look at him. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're, they, they do, he does this really cool thing where they're shining the spotlight on the guy doing the stage dive, mm-hmm. but the Gen 13 kids are right under it, right. so the spotlight is on them. Yeah. And, you know, Grunge is fist pumping and free falls into it. Caitlin's clapping and smiling, and Rainmaker's, like, having none of it. Yep. You know, she's got her arms folded. I guess she thought she was going to go to, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, the London Symphony or something. But um, it, it's just, I think it's a neat it's, trick it to is, introduce a, all the all the leads. No, it's an in, well, it's an interesting, um, uh, it's an interesting kind of forced perspective, right? Yes, like yes. like using lighting to kind of to guide your eye. And exactly. It's, it's actually, and what's interesting is I hadn't noticed it was a lot. I noticed that he was doing something with the art, and I thought it was more of a. Like he was just doing a different layering, but mm-hmm. now that you say that with the light, I totally see it, and I, I hadn't I had picked up that there was something going on, but I hadn't picked up yeah. it with the light. So good call out there, and uh, also some uh, av- free advertising for Marshall speakers. Yep, yeah, <laughs> Marshall amps. <laughs> that's um, right. So essentially, the kids are hanging out, they're having fun at the concert, and that's pretty much the, that's the status of Gen Thirteen. Right. Um, then we get to see that Spider Man is up in the rafters fighting. Someone. Bad lady. Bad, she's bad. Right. Uh, she wears a purple costume and 
gray gloves and a cape and has knives. Well, I got kind of disappointed because when you look at the first shot with her where you actually see her, yeah. it looks like like her cape is coming out of her hand. Yeah, and it like almost a like a, yeah. And I thought it or, was or I, like almost like like the Falcons. I was going to uh, say it wings. made me think of, of Faust. Oh like yeah, 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 yeah. Fast, right. Oh, that was yeah. my the first thing I thought of, and I was like, "Oh, that's neat." Oh, wait, that's just her cape. I'm less yeah. interested. So yeah. it's still fine. It's just it's a little uh, ambiguous there on first look. That that's fair, and you know, some of that I think because at this point in comics, they were relying a lot on the colorist mm-hmm. to perform definition mm-hmm. more than the anchors. Although the ink work on this, I have to say, is really good. It is good. Um, yeah. it, it's it's definitely a, its own style. Um, it's not, you know, for 1996, it doesn't quite look like the other 1996. No, comics. it doesn't. Um, this this has, Amonin Eminen is really developing his style at this point. You you see him working at this point, right? All right, so um, so we get to Spidey, uh, kind of making his comments to himself, you know, as he does, uh, fighting this lady that we don't know her name at this point. No clue. She's got knives that kind of light up Psylocke style. Yeah, they're they're like like mini lightsabers almost. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what's going on there. Um, she he tries to web her. She cuts his webs off and she throws Spider Man down into the crowd. Yeah, Spidey falls into the rock and roll crowd. All right, and he she uh, basically lands right on the Gen 13 kids. How about that? Yep. And in fact, the, the our villain here lands right on the stage. Yeah, in a superhero crouch pose. Right. With and, her laser uh, knives. And then they 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 do a little kind of jumping around and fighting, and and the the Gen 13 kids are like, "Whoa, is that that Spider Man guy? Oh, wow, that's a." Uh, that's cool. Yeah. It like can't be you. Yeah. Yeah. No, whoa. It's very much like that. It's got that tone. Um, <laughs> the, the the Gen thirteen kids decide they want to get backstage. Well, um, don't forget she disappears also, leaving oh, only right. her cloak behind. That's true. Okay. Yeah. So they want to go try to find Spider Man and uh, and see what happened to her. So they try yep. to get backstage. Um, uh, a stagehand. Uh, Grabs at uh, is that Fairchild? That's Fairchild, right? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Well, the, it's off-panel, but it's obviously mm-hmm. well. Okay, you know, here's the thing. Okay, and this is where I need to do a sort of um, uh, uh, what do you want to call it? I don't want a trigger warning. Yeah. Okay, there is some implicit bias, some uh, implicit racism mm-hmm. on this panel where they ask who the guy is that's asking to go backstage. Right, right. And he goes, "My, I told you, Mr. Chang. And he goes, no, Chang. Chang, Chang, walla, walla, bing, bang. Yep. You know, and it's not the first time that this happens. Also, so that's indicative of the era that this is writing yep. in. And then it, it happens off panel, what you're referring to, yep. Where the roadie slash bouncer makes a grab to the buns of steel, right? And um, no, he's yeah. They don't show it, but he straight up grabs her. The, the trajectory, if you were to, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he straight up grabs her. She takes offense to it and, and shows that she has powers, right? Yes, um, which <laughs> so, fair, yeah, good for her. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, look, the, this this is like you know. <sighs> 
13 years, 23 years before Me Too. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, she's definitely an empowerment character and stands up to the MOOC, and uh, that's that. All while Spidey slinks away. Right. And then we get what what was a little unclear on my first read, uh, but what, what you we we come to see it's like a flashback um, to kind of how Spidey got into the building to begin with, or yeah. got involved in this in the first place. It was a nonsense flashback, right? They barely mention it. Yeah, uh, and the, it, it basically involves uh, Peter Parker getting stuck in traffic. Yep. Um, Making a really, really timely Bob Dole reference. Yeah. Joke, a really cool joke about Bob Dole. Bob Dole. <laughs> I know it. You know it. The American people know it. Bob Dole. Nothing, nothing the kids love more than a good Bob Dole reference. Only if you're into 1990s era Saturday Night Live do you have yeah. any clue as to what I've just talked about. This, Bob was, Dole. this did come out November of 96, in yep. which... Bob Dole was running for president. Yes. Okay, fair enough. But even then, eh, Bob Dole. Yeah, Bob Dole references don't really uh, they don't, don't, don't age well. Um, so Spider Man goes swinging around to yeah, get out of the traffic. Yeah, he changes his Spider Man yeah, to yeah. beat traffic. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. He, he he uses his webs just to get around traffic. He this is when he gets attacked by this villain. Um, we, we later learn her name to be, um, glider glider. That's right. Okay. The, the, the menacing marauder known as glider. Right. Yeah. Um, nothing's more menacing than gliding. So, and she has, <laughs> she has gadgets and can teleport and has a face thing. Yeah. I'm pretty not, much every nineties yeah. character. So, um, that's kind of how. They they get they get in a fight kind of outside of the theater and get kind of r- dropped into the theater. That's essentially how they ended up there. Yep. Okay. Out of flashback now. Okay. All right. So yeah, yeah. That was a weird random flashback. Mm-hmm. Um, Spider Man uh, falls to the stage to the what appears to be like the back of house stage area. Right. Um. He's 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 got cops around him. And cops who are dressed like from the 1950s. By right. The way. Right. Yeah. 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 No, they're they're totally like 50s, like Irish cops. Yeah. Um. And that's when Rainmaker right yep. comes in and saves Spider Man. Yep. Uh, blows the cops away. They they open fire. Grunge jumps in front of her and blocks the bullet. Right. Um, Fairchild comes in and kind of takes out the cops, and they save Spider Man. And then she busts through the stage and is on stage with Black Lung Disease, yeah. who are still playing the show. Yeah. This whole time, like they don't show it um, per se, but like they're constant. Like no, it, it's it's referred the police to later. are literally opening fire, and the the band is the still band's playing. still playing. It's cool. Be- hey, it's cool, Grunge, dude. Okay, like mm-hmm. Grunge is so loud. Grunge is so loud that you could fire a gun right next to my head, and my 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 swole bass will still be pumping out the beats, <laughs> dude. Come on, man. Right? Yeah. No. So it's, a, it's a little it's a little comic booky ridiculous, but Gen you know. X. Whoa, brah. Bruh. All right. <laughs> so, um, essentially. Uh, Gen X and, and Spy, or excuse me, Gen 13, don't want to get sued, right. Gen, Gen, Gen 13, 13. and um, Spider-Man kind of make friends, and they decide we're going to bring Spider-Man back to our house. Oh, and it's around this time that we discover that Spider-Man's actually in San Diego and not New York. Yeah. Yeah. For reasons. La Jolla, yeah, to be for precise. Reasons. For reasons. Yeah. Yeah, we're not quite sure. We but. had no idea that there were such great skyscrapers in La Jolla. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm not. Also, there's so much traffic in in La Jolla. Yeah. 
I'm not quite sure how this works. <laughs> but, to be fair, okay. they might have been in downtown San Diego, which we know gets crowded in Comic-Con Maybe season. Maybe they got the tickets to see him in New York and then took him back to La Jolla with him? In what? I don't, I don't a, know. And laying around Avengers Quinjet or yeah, something? I don't I mean, know. It was, okay, there is some nonsense in this issue, mm-hmm. but... If you are buying the narrative that this is a fun comic book, it's just, you, yep. you go with it. You accept certain certain things. All right. So they head back to the base, to their hideout base. I don't know what they called their condo. Uh, it, to sure. me, this looks like a uh, wealthy uh, modern mansion yep. here. You know, but you wouldn't be able to tell from the very small postage stamp panel they put in. And essentially, in. there's just multiple pages of them just kind of hanging out and talking in their base. Yep. Um, they, they hide the fact that they have Spider-Man in their base from uh, the mentor. John uh, Lynch. John Lynch, right. Um, and Who has some dope lamb chop side. Oh, dude, yeah. He's rocking the chops. Seriously. Yeah. Like, and he's got like, he has the thing that all 90s characters had, an eye thing or scar over one eye. Right. He has a blind eye, but he doesn't wear an eye patch. Yeah, yeah. He's got like two slash marks. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're hiding Spider-Man on the ceiling. Uh, Freefall is using her anti-graph fields to put him up there. Oh, because Spider-Man. I didn't pick up that. That's what that, that, that was. Because there's okay. all the the, the glowy yeah, things yeah, around. Yeah. Because Spider-Man can't stick to st- ceilings himself. Right. That's what I just assumed that he was sticking to the ceiling. Right. But when you look at that, he's not. He's yeah. just floating up. Got there. it. Got it. All yeah. right. You know. Um, so we get through that, and then we flash to a woman and child, a woman getting woken up in bed. Yep. Um, this, this, this woman, this is... Um, she sleeps in denim shorts. Yeah, apparently. I mean, because yeah. that's what you do. You right. sleep in denim shorts and a sexy top, right? In the 90s. Right. Yeah. Um, they end up... You, you come to find out that this woman is... Um, has, a, uh, like, a private like a private eye following her and taking mm-hmm. pictures of her um and you, then you discover that she is um a single mom yep. recently divorced and her ex-husband is suing for for custody yep. and that's and that's pretty much what we learn yeah her motivator for being a villain is to do it for money right because this this woman is glider right, right? this is the glider the, yeah but out, the of, menacing, out of costume the the menacingly evil glider Yep. Um, but you find out that she's at least a sympathetic villain mm-hmm. and um, she's doing it for a reason and she drives a pretty dope convertible, I have to say. Um, yeah. Uh, this is something I forgot completely, though. It goes back to the Gen 13 kids hangout mm-hmm. and they have a uh, French maid. Right. Who, or she's German, she's I a, think. Isn't she like a robot or something? She's or a robot a, or, or a something. Cyborg or yeah, something? She, she is a robot or a cyborg. I, I don't remember, but um, yeah, it, she beats up on Spider-Man a little bit, and uh, I'm trying to see if they say what her name is. Anyway, so the anyway the two of them fight. She punches her hand through the floorboards. Uh, Spider-Man quips. The kids are like, what the hell is they're waking up, having mm-hmm. breakfast? And uh, so, of course, Burnout, the very first thing he needs to do is shoot fire at Spider-Man mm-hmm. to get him to stop. Because you know what? Flames tell me to stop. <laughs> right, right. Okay, you might get burned. Yeah. But no, he shoots the flame bolt at Spider-Man, uh, torching his web backpack. And yep. he finds himself in a pool with with the seductive uh, and... Uh, 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 yeah, um, 
Rainmaker. Right. Because, you know. Yep. Yeah. And I, I have I don't want to go any further for fear of right reprise. So and this is where we also see that by him jumping in the water, there was like a tracker on him. Yes. And he was being tracked. Yes. By glider. By by the menacing glider. Or, yeah, or glider's people. Right. Um This is then we flip to uh Nothing again. Nothing. Nothing gets kids uh, going in comic books like a courtroom scene. Yeah, child custody hearings. Yep. All right. Yep. Not only that, three pages of courtroom scene. Where, where by the way, should I say that that the judge in the case is dressed like an English judge? <laughs> yeah. With like the the ascot, a cravat kind of thing. A cra- cravat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like what the hell, dude? I don't know. I'm that, not sure. Well, I think isn't he Canadian, Stuart Amonin? I don't know. Well, is if he? he is, that would make sense because they must be having a court case in Canada. Um, yeah, three pages. Yeah, he is. He is Canadian, FYI. Okay, you are yeah, correct. Yeah, there. I had a feeling he was Canadian, um, so he might have been working maybe? just from internal reference. Maybe? So anyway, yeah. Anyway, she, uh, the the court scene ends basically with her cloak disappearing again. Yep, it's like whoosh. I can disappear. Flash forward back to La Jolla. Where they actually use a... Well, right, they use no, a photo reference is, shop. They right? say it's La Jolla, but they use a photo reference shop of the... Uh, is that the Marriott? That is the Marriott. The, the dual towers of the Marriott, mm-hmm. which is where Comic-Con... They must have yep. taken the picture uh, from across the street at one of the skyscraper hotels. Yep. Um, yeah, so it's like, wow, guys, way to take a grainy photograph on top of a building. <laughs> so we got uh, just a couple more pages of Spider-Man hanging out with the kids. Just, yeah. Um, and then we find Glider, and her. she has an army. That's cool. Yeah, like a bunch of she's paramil- got like Yeah, she's got like a paramilitary mercenary army. Yeah, which which is in the 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 realm of possibility for Gen 13. Yeah. Because they've run up against IO quite a few times. Yep. So yeah, paramilitary dudes as the nineties somewhat imply, they they've got machine gun looking laser guns and yep. you know, urban camo armor. She uses this army now to break into an office building. Yes. Um, the, yeah. th- this is her, this is her ex-husband, correct? Right. Dad, I, I, I think we're tracking correctly. Okay. Uh, the, we'll have some things to say about this writing here in a minute. Uh, hey, hey, Kat says you're named Glider. Glide this, babe. Yep. Yeah. So they break in, they open fire, uh, Gen 13 and Spider-Man kind of come to the aid defense, defending this building. Uh, from these paramilitaries who Which, have, when you go outside, looks like a residential neighborhood, right, but looks I like an office I'm, building on the I'm, inside. I don't know what this is. Um, I, I'm going back to Doctor Who from the previous episode. I think it's bigger on the inside than yeah, it is on it's the probably, outside. Yeah, it's got some... Yeah, there's something weird going on yeah, here. Yeah, um, Tesseract. <laughs> um, but essentially, this leads to beat-em-ups between... With Gen 13 and Spider-Man versus glider and paramilitary and some interesting color work on yeah. Hollingsworth's part. Yeah. Uh, there's a few weird choices here, but um, I don't mind them terribly. It's just weird. You well, know, I think I, and, and I mean, some of them work, some of them don't like there's a panel where you have, um, 
I can't think of her name. The, the gravity Free one. Freefall. Freefall. With her, um, with her hands, and they're all green. They look kind of Doctor Strangey. Yeah. But, and then there's a scene that is shocking at first till you figure out what's going on on the next page where you have grunge all gray. Right. Until you realize, oh, he's absorbing the concrete. Which and that's they why didn't explain with the bullets because he would have turned... Right. Into metal. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. And so there's a little bit of uh, discontinuity there with that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. So essentially. But looks have, cool. Yep. We got beat him up for an, another, you know, eight so, pages. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, let's see, they, they take away, they, they take away her power. Glider disappears as she does. Well, you're, you're, okay. Am I skipping something I here? I think you're skipping. Are you skipping? Oh, Glider yeah. took out her own paramilitary at one yes, point. Yes, because they were pointing guns at the school. Right. Which is just across the street, and it reminded her of her own daughter. Yes. Um, yeah. So she did take out her own paramilitary, or she mm-hmm. helped in, take out her paramilitary. Now, mind you, there was no foreshadowing of this elementary school being anywhere no. nearby. It just no. happens. No. And then, and then that's when she disappears. Right. She does her cloak thing and disappears. Yep. Okay. Uh, so basically, yeah, she disappears after that, and we're back to a scene of Gen 13 hanging out at the house, reading the, a newspaper article of their adventures. Yep. And then we get a scene of, uh, is this supposed to be Glider? In the hospital? Yeah. At the for, very end? for some reason, she's in the hospital. So I think it implied earlier when she was finishing with the beam that maybe she oh, got shot. Yes. But they don't really show that. No. Um, but they do imply that she f- was falling. Yes. And, and, and they thought that, oh, yeah, Spider-Man does say um, that he shot Glider. You don't really see that, but, you, but he says it. And then she falls and disappears. So she's in the hospital. Um, Apparently comatose. Yep. And that's the end of it. Yeah, the husband is going to make off with the kid. Yep, you know, take her upstate or somewhere. So in the and end, then you she see lost everything. She lost everything, and while she lays in her comatose state, a single tear goes down her that's cheek. Right. So she knows what's going. On. She does. She can hear you. They can hear you when they're in a coma. You know that. Yeah. That's it. Spider-Man and Gen 13. There was no... The denouement, as they say, the ending Mm -hmm. of a story, really didn't tie up anything about the meeting between Gen 13 and uh, Spider-Man. No, in fact, there was absolutely zero point for Spider-Man to be there. Yeah. As far as I'm... I didn't see any... You were outside of Spider-Man's world. There was no Spider-Man villain. Right. There was nothing that needed Spider-Man's right. powers. We're to going accomplish. into the critique of the of, yeah. the, of the book. Now. Um, there was there was a little bit, and so that's I mean that's kind of one of my complaints about it. Now, mind you, this book is not the worst crossover I've ever read. No, I mean no. In the fact, last episode, in, in, yeah. Um, I mean, but <laughs> look, there was stuff to genuinely enjoy about this book. No, I yeah, it was, it, like yeah. No, there's a lot of redeeming qualities, but in the end. As I stated, there's nothing that needed Spider-Man. He was there just for commentary. It was really more of a Gen 13 story with Spider-Man added in for flavor. Yep. Um, yep. It would have been nice to have some setup. It would have been nice to have some closure. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you kids have been great. Maybe I'll see, maybe you should come to New York sometime. Just just a, put or, a bow on it. Yeah, or, you know? I mean, they could have, I mean, maybe they couldn't, but 
at least if there was like if the villain was a known Spider-Man villain, it would make some sense for Spider-Man right. to be there, right? You know, like the Vulture or something, right. you know, exactly. was stealing kids for the, you know, to de-age exactly. himself. Um, you know, and another thing, and you brought this up to me, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, is several times, despite the talent that went into this book, there was also problems with the layout of this comic. Yep. Where I think it was done in Marvel style, where they write the plot, they send the plot to the artist, and then the artist sends the art back, and then they fill in the word balloons. Mm-hmm. And there were times in this comic where it was difficult to track which yes. panel you were in. Yes. And, it and was- sometimes you would have to go back. Like there was a couple of pages in particular where there would be word balloons going down the entire middle of the comic, but it was like shared between two different panels. Right. right. And I mean, and as we've talked about the flashback, so my first read through, I didn't understand that was a flashback. Yeah. Um, it made zero, they made no mention really that. that oh, I had to reread it. Yeah. I, because it was yeah. like, oh, wait, Spider-Man ran out from being beat up on the stage and now he's outside not dressed as Peter Parker stuck in traffic. And then he turns into Spider-Man again to jump around. And then gets back inside the theater. Like, it didn't make much sense. But right. it was it's a flashback to how we got there. It's just, literally, there was no point to having that story device there exactly. other than to confuse it. Um, exactly. So there's, there's some complaints there. The, a lot of that is just, you know... I mean, in the end, though, I guess my point being that in the end, yes, there's problems with it. But it wasn't a bad read. Right. I mean, if, if this was like an Olympics grading, you know, they wouldn't... Their technical score wouldn't have been so high, but their per overall performance right, score the artistic would have been, scores. The artistic yeah. score would have been much higher. Yep. Uh, and the Russian judge is savage as no, always. No, no, I mean, they... But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they you know, I, I, I got to say, though, that after reading Lake of Fire, I, I was kind of dreading reading a book from the 90s mm-hmm. again. I, I, I This was... I'll be honest. It was just, if you take it for what it is, it's just a fun story where Spider-Man Gen 13 encounter each other. Apparently, Spider-Man moved to San Jose or San Diego for a while. (laughs) And you know what? It's superheroes meeting. They didn't beat each other up. And they didn't beat each other up. Yeah, no, they didn't get really into a fight between themselves. So there was was some of the the old faithfuls, which they put aside for this book. And and honestly, I'll give props to Peter David Mm -hmm. for that, you know? And they looked up to Spider-Man. In fact, Grunge called him, I've been looking up to you forever. You're a living legend. And he's like, oh my God, you know, I know Captain America or something. You know, it's just, it, it, it... it was just, it was both emblematic of its time, both troubling and good for the 1990s. Does that make sense? Yep. No, I'm with you. And so speaking of that, I mean, we've done a couple of 90s books. I think that for our next episode, we should jump something a little bit newer. Okay. A little bit more into the 2000s. Interesting. Yeah, you have my so, attention. So here's what I'm thinking. Now, this is something also a little different in that all these crossovers we've talked about so far have been a single issue one shot yeah these epic marvel crossovers yep so this one we're going to do a marvel crossover but this one is a five issue miniseries oh yep so so this is mid-2000s this is um what was popular with marvel in mid-2000s marvel zombie that's right right. you remember the marvel zombie series with uh there were there was some kirkman stuff in there yeah there was arthur satum covers that were extremely popular at the time yep and um they crossed over with Army of Darkness. 
Holy moly. Yep. So let's let's kind of give... This was a Dynamite Studios, Army of Darkness. We're doing the... They still do the publishing, right? Yeah. I yeah. believe for Army of Darkness. Yeah, I believe they do. Yeah, so um, they're the five-issue miniseries of Marvel Zombies versus Army of Darkness. So right. I'm hoping I've not read this series. I, I am praying that on Disney+, Plus <laughs> we can get an animated Ash versus the evil Marvel undead right. animated yeah. no, that'd show. Be, that'd be great. It would be... Yeah. You know, I looked at a couple of panels from it, and you can the writing in that. Uh, John Lehman is the writer. Mm-hmm. I could hear Bruce Campbell say those oh, lines. Yeah. So I'm I'm totally yeah. on board for Bruce Campbell being oh, involved in you. the Marvel universe. And we just way. need a break from the '90s. I just, mean, to just be fair, for an episode, Bruce Campbell is involved in the Marvel universe in the sense of you remember his cameos his, in the his Sam, Sam Raimi, Raimi cameos right? are gold. Oh no, they're they're brilliant. Yes, it's, I mean it's it's the I think it's the best part of Spider Man Three. With the Bruce Campbell, uh, honestly, the French, it was as the yeah. French because uh, Spider Man Three was a war crime. Yeah, the, fr- it the was fake terrible. French uh, uh, kind of concierge guy. Oh right yeah, now. just oh, he's perfect. Great. So anyway, let's do that. Let's do Marvel okay. Zombies versus Army of Darkness for our next episode. That'll be in a in another month. These episodes come out about once a month. I, I believe Curtis is dropping them on the first Monday of every month. Um, so be on the lookout for that and make sure to to. If you like this episode, if you want to give us feedback, if you want to tell us what crossovers you'd like to hear. Um, or if you'd like to tell us what you thought of um, uh, Marvel Zombies meets sure. uh, Evil yeah, Dead us, or Army of Darkness, excuse me. Um, yeah, hit hit us up uh, with the hashtag Epic, cro- epic, epic, epic Crossover. crossover yep, excuse epic me. Crossover yep. on Twitter. Um, go ahead and use that. We're, I'm following that pretty closely, so anytime... Uh, if you have something to say, go ahead and use that hashtag. You yep. can also find me directly on Twitter at GoldenBoyPhoto1. Um, you can you can uh, at me there and, and let me know what you think. Jimmers, where can they find you? Well, they can find me by just looking me up at Jimmers, but please use three M's. I wasn't <laughs> in 2009. I was quick onto Twitter, but not quick enough. Uh, so Jimmers with three M's. I'm also on Insta where I post my RPG or tabletop stuff once in a while. Uh, at Jimmers with five M's. Don't get me started. Or simply Jim Mason <laughs> at Facebook. Cool. Well, I think that pretty much wraps us up. Um, We have our next issue. We did our social media, so I think we're good to go, and hopefully we'll see you next time. And in the meantime, hey, kids, read some comics. Comics.